When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today I am going to be sharing with you my vision for building a dividend stock portfolio from scratch. I will be covering the following topics in this order. The goal of the portfolio, the holdings in the portfolio, the structure of the portfolio, rebalancing the portfolio, making contributions to the portfolio, and finally adjusting the asset allocation. Let's get started. Most of us already have existing portfolios that we mainly adjust to match our current strategy, but sometimes we are faced with the burden or opportunity to start out fresh. Maybe you decide to open a new account, be it a retirement account or a personal taxable account, or you change employers and are forced to move your 401k into an IRA. Whatever the reason for starting out fresh, it's good to have a plan ready so that you can start off on the right foot. When the time comes, you don't want to spend too much time coming up with a plan, because time in the market is arguably the most powerful factor in investing. I'll share my vision for such a plan, and you can borrow what you like from it to include in your plan. This will be a dividend stock portfolio made up of individual stocks. So the most important part, I think, is the overall goal of the portfolio. And when it comes to dividend investing, you have two major options to choose from. You can either focus on the dividend yield or the dividend growth. Yes, you can certainly blend the two together, but most dividend investors tilt their portfolio more towards one or the other. To help you answer this question, think about how long it'll be before you intend to depend on the income stream from this portfolio. If this time frame is short, you should focus on the income stream now. If it's long, you should focus on the dividend growth and better total return. Focusing on a higher dividend yield will mean more passive income today, but probably a lower total return over a longer period of time. Focusing on high dividend growth will mean a small passive income stream today, but a higher likelihood of a better total return in the long run. With the high yield approach, you get the better income stream today, but take on the risk that your portfolio may not keep up with inflation and your cost of living in the future. With the high growth approach, you take the risk of bigger short-term losses for a chance at better long-term returns. Ideally, with this option, you'd want the market value of your portfolio to exceed that of a high-yield portfolio, and be able to produce the same or better level of income as a higher-yielding portfolio can today. Additionally, you always have the option to shift this portfolio to higher-yielding stocks in the future. This would presumably also generate more dividend income, since the market value of your portfolio under this approach would be larger than the high-yield approach. Over the course of 20 to 30 years, the difference between these two investing styles may be upwards of hundreds of thousands of dollars in market value. That's a substantial difference that can result in thousands more in annual dividend income in retirement. Finding the balance between yield and growth should be tailored to your time frame and personal preference. I think having 20 to 25 holdings in a portfolio is a good number. It will allow you to spread your funds out enough so that no single position will be a huge drag on the overall portfolio, while also being a manageable number of individual companies to follow on a periodic basis. I would personally opt for high-quality companies to include in this portfolio. They have historically proven to offer strong returns and have more sustainable dividend streams. I'll use my two monthly quality dividend stock watchlist as an example for this portfolio. I would pick 15 of the best high growth dividend stocks and 10 of the best high yield dividend stocks, giving me a portfolio of 25 stocks combined. Now if my time frame is 20 years or more, I would allocate significantly more capital to the high growth stocks, something like 80-90% to of the portfolio, with the remaining 10-20% to allocated to high yield stocks. Even with a high allocation like 90% to the high growth stocks, if I decided to split this 90% equally to all 15 of them, that would equate to a 6% allocation per stock. 
giving the portfolio some downside protection if one of the chosen stocks proves to be a loser. The 15 best high growth stocks from October, based on fast as expected future return, have an average dividend yield of 1.08%, which is pretty low for a dividend portfolio. But keep in mind we are talking about a long-term portfolio now, one that we will not utilize for the next 20 years. So the current dividend yield is not a major factor at the moment. And these 15 stocks are included in the portfolio to be drivers of growth and total return. The 10 best high yield stocks from October, also based on fastest expected future return, have an average dividend yield of 3.36%, which is a much nicer dividend yield for generating income. These 10 stocks offer a better income stream today, but I don't expect them to offer as generous a growth rate and total return as the 15 high growth stocks. So utilizing these 25 stocks, I can construct a portfolio with a dividend yield between 1.08% and 3.36%, with the far ends of this range being 100% allocation to either the high growth stocks or the high yield stocks. The 90% high growth stock and 10% high yield stock example I stated earlier would have a starting dividend yield of 1.31%. Now if my time frame is shorter than 20 years, I may opt to go with a 60% high growth and 40% high yield allocation. This would give me a starting dividend yield of about 2%. That may seem like a small dividend yield to some of you, but I would argue if you have 10 or 15 years before you will start using the dividend income, then you should expose your dividend portfolio to a little more risk and take the chance at a higher total return. Like I mentioned earlier, you can always shift your portfolio to a higher dividend yield when you get closer to your target date. There are factors to consider in shifting your allocation years in the future, such as a tax burden. If this portfolio is in a personal taxable account, you will likely have to pay capital gains tax on the shares you liquidate. You can certainly limit this tax burden, but that's too large of a topic to veer off on. Either way, I think you get the idea I am trying to paint here. Use your time frame and comfort level to find a good blend between growth and yield and you can adjust this accordingly as you get closer to your target date, or if your situation changes. If you are around 5 years or less away from your target date, there may not be enough time to capitalize on long-term growth. Or rather, the risk associated with seeking a higher total return may not be worth the reward. So if your time frame is 5 years or less, you should probably place more emphasis on the current dividend yield. You can certainly still use the same number of stocks I presented, and even the same stocks I suggested for my watchlist, unless you are seeking an even higher current dividend yield. There are certainly options out there to receive a higher dividend yield today than from the stocks I used for my example. You should make sure that the stocks you choose are quality companies with a good track record of growth and a consistent and also growing dividend income stream. Chasing yield at any cost is typically not a good strategy in the long run. Keep that in mind if this is the route you opt to take. So now I have covered the holdings and structure of the portfolio, and I kept it rather fluid so that it could be molded to fit your needs. The next thing you want to consider is rebalancing your portfolio. And this is another area where you have plenty of flexibility to work with. There are differing theories when it comes to rebalancing a portfolio. In this example, since we are solely focusing on individual stocks, rebalancing plays a different role compared to a traditional asset allocation. In a traditional asset allocation, you have return-seeking assets like equities, REITs, GLI, emerging market debt, or high yield. And low-risk assets like treasuries, short-term fixed income products, and of course cash. The benefit of rebalancing a traditional portfolio is that you capture gains when the market is doing good by moving funds from return-seeking assets to fixed income. And conversely, when the market is doing bad, you deploy a portion of your fixed income to return-seeking assets, capitalizing on lower valuations. Rebalancing also helps control your risk exposure while maximizing potential returns. But in this dividend stock portfolio, by rebalancing, we will be moving funds from the winners to the losers. There is a saying that you should let your winners run. But on the other hand, if you opt to let your winners run, there is a good likelihood that one or two of these stocks will become an oversized position in your portfolio. This can expose the portfolio as a whole to an unbalanced level of risk, should one of the oversized positions suddenly experience worse than average losses. 
So the benefit of rebalancing an individual stock portfolio is that you maintain control over your risk exposure, and the drawback is that you may miss out on excess returns from your winning stocks. Considering these two factors, I would personally still go ahead and rebalance the portfolio on a periodic basis, but I would limit the rebalancing to perhaps just once per year. Additionally, during this annual rebalancing, I would consider replacing any of the existing holdings with new stocks if a better opportunity presents itself. I run my watch list monthly, and there are usually a few changes each month, but moving in and out of positions each month is a little too much turnover for the portfolio. Not to mention it could create a tax burden if done in a taxable investing account that could erase much or all of the alpha generated from the trades. Another option that may limit the need for rebalancing is to factor in future contributions to the portfolio. Now you may be looking to just invest a large lump sum of money one time and not make any more contributions. In this case, you would need to rebalance the holdings periodically if you intend to stick to the original allocation. But if you are planning on making contributions, you can allocate the contributions to the underweight positions, in turn bringing your allocation back to equilibrium. Depending on the size of the portfolio and the contributions, annual rebalancing may not be necessary. However, if the market value of your portfolio is substantial in relation to your contributions, you may still need to rebalance to maintain the original allocation. Over time, the original allocation of this portfolio will shift to align with your current or near future goals for the portfolio. If your time frame is long, you could start with a large allocation to high-growth dividend stocks. But once you start getting closer to your target date, you should consider shifting the allocation to one that will better meet your needs. Instead of focusing on the dividend yield of the portfolio, I would suggest to look at the dividend income. For example, if you anticipate to need $50,000 of dividend income to supplement your life in retirement, and your dividend stock portfolio has a market value of $2 million, a 2.5% portfolio dividend yield would suffice. You could certainly push the yield up to 3% and give yourself an extra $10,000 per year. But this might increase your annual tax obligation, especially if you anticipate to have other sources of income in retirement. And it might lead to a slower future growth rate. This decision comes down to personal preference. Some people may choose to maximize their income so they can spend it on things they enjoy. And others may opt to align their income with their needs and allow their portfolio to continue to grow. Both options are perfectly fine. What I want to dig into is what is the best way to shift your allocation. Is it better to do it all at once, or is it better to slowly transition from one allocation to another over a period of time? I would say it depends. We don't know what will happen tomorrow or the day after, but we know what already happened. You can easily look up how the market performed last year, and during the last 5 or 10 years as well. Now this is my personal opinion, but I would use the last decade as a deciding factor. If during the last 10 years the market has generally gone up, and more specifically if the last few years have been good, I would shift the allocation all at once. Now if there has been a large pullback or a market crash that occurred in the near past, like the last year or maybe even two years ago, and the market has not yet recovered to previous all-time highs, I would probably opt to shift the allocation over a period of time. My reasoning for this is based on long-term market trends. Generally, bull markets last longer than bear markets, sometimes running for a decade or more. So if the last decade has been a bull market, you can infer that a market crash or a pullback is probably somewhere close on the horizon. And if a market crash or pullback just happened recently, then you can assume that the likelihood of a few years of a bull market are probably on the horizon. The market is unpredictable and the long-term trends do not always pan out like we expect. This is why I would probably start planning the shift to my final allocation about 5-8 to eight years prior to my target date. With this time frame, I could gauge how the market has performed during the last few years, and decide whether it's better to start the shift sooner or if I can afford to wait a little longer. Ultimately, I probably wouldn't want to wait till the very end, maybe doing it 2-3 to three years before the target date at the very latest. I'd want to settle into the final allocation and make sure it's working as expected for a year or two to get a better sense of what to expect in retirement. Thank you for joining me today. If you'd like to consume this content in a video format, you are welcome to visit my YouTube channel. Just search for Long Acres Finance on YouTube and you'll find more of me. 
If you'd like to reach me directly, you can do so by emailing me at longacresfinance at gmail.com. If you would like to support this channel, you can do so on Patreon and unlock the additional benefits offered there. Thank you for being here and have a wonderful day.